Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. So, going to get into baseball a bit again today with my fantasy baseball rankings, but a couple of news items I wanted to get to just because it, I saw the news come out and it just really got on my nerves. So, uh, in terms of the NFL, the prices for uh, DirecTV Sunday ticket have gone up yet again for the, I believe, the fourth straight year. Uh, So DirecTV is raising the price to $293.94 for a Sunday ticket. But on top of that, if you want to include the red zone, which at this point is better than Sunday ticket, I don't know why people would uh, just not do Sunday, uh, uh, just ignore Sunday ticket completely and just do red zone. Uh, but regardless, if you want to add red zone, uh, which covers all the games anyway, uh, and just switches uh, back and forth between different games rather than just following a single game, the price for, uh, including red zone in the package increases up to a, another hundred bucks. So including tax, you're going to be paying over $400 for Sunday ticket this year with, Direct TV. Now, I know some folks want to watch every game, but unless you're operating a bar, you're an idiot. I mean, there is absolutely no point in having Sunday ticket at this stage of the NFL because at the end of the day, you can always get Red Zone or switch to a cable premium package and pay far less than uh, paying at an- another uh, what amounts to another. 15% rate hike on Sunday ticket prices and on top of that another rate surcharge on to, uh, uh, on top of that for red zone. It doesn't make any sense at this point. Uh, I mean, it is cheaper to watch games at the bar if you're a, a direct TV customer than it does actually watching Sunday ticket at home. I mean, that completely defeats the purpose. So unless you're uh, uh, sharing the cost of friends. It, I mean, honestly, it's just a waste of money at this point. Uh, DirecTV's bleeding cash because people are watching Red Zone 
in droves, and so they're trying to bleed out their loyal customers for Sunday ticket uh, by just keep jacking up the rates. But, I mean, there's a breaking point at a certain stage, and I think $400 would do it. I mean, listen, I would never tell someone to break the law, but there are multiple options of watching NFL games uh, coming up next season that will not require you to pay 400 bucks. That That's insane uh, for not even actually watching a game live to just watch it on TV. doesn't make any sense uh, for as short as the NFL season is. So I uh, just saw that tidbit come, uh, come across uh, the wire uh, as I started the podcast. So I had to lead off with that one because, again, the fact that DirecTV had the nerve to increase – Sunday ticket prices after it was, I thought it was already high last year, uh, being over, uh, uh, including red zone, you were being over 300. The fact that it's going to be over $400, including taxes, and that doesn't include the, uh, additional regional sports network fees that you're paying on top of your cable and satellite bills. I, I mean, come on, get over yourselves. Uh, it's just a way to blow through cash unnecessarily when there were, Number of options that you can do to watch uh, sporting events uh, like football. I'm sorry. There's there's really no excuse to be on Sunday ticket at this point if that's how DirecTV is going to play it. So, anyway, I'm going to move on uh, to what I was originally going to lead off the show with. And that was the NBA All-Star Game, which I'm told was incredibly competitive. So, I ended up having to rewatch. Most of this game myself, uh, just fast-forwarding through DVR, and I'll be honest, this, I don't know what people are looking at, I, I don't, you know, I heard Reggie Miller giggling like a schoolgirl on uh, the TNT telecast about how great the game was, uh, you know, Reggie seems to have, like, forgotten sitting on the bench when he was an NBA All-Star, when actual All-Stars like Jordan, uh, Jordan Bird and Magic were on the court, and... Reggie's on the bench, but, you know, there were far better played uh, NBA All-Star games than what we had last night. They still don't play any defense. LeBron's team won 148-145 to after having to make a fourth-quarter comeback, which is ridiculous because, as I said before, when you have a lineup that includes Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, and you include Paul George along with Kevin Durant... As your five, as your core five in any crunch time situation, there is not a chance in hell that Steph's team was going to win that game. The fact that that game was even close shows how much of a choreographed event it was, because that's a joke. Please, you can say all you want about how great the three-point shooting was. No, no. If LeBron's team really wanted to win that game, they could have blown them out at any any point in time uh, in that contest, and they waited until the fourth quarter to actually uh, 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 put it on them. I mean, that's all they, it, it, it was. I don't care what anybody says. That draft was ludicrously screwed up by Steph Curry. I don't know what the order of selection of the players were, but he screwed up that draft royally to the nth degree to have those teams as lopsided as they were. Because, again, I said on the original podcast, even before LeBron's team got injured, LeBron so won that draft, it wasn't even funny. So, 
Anyway, uh, you know, that's all I'm going to say about the Nash, uh, the uh, NBA All-Star game. Uh, although, the one piece of it that uh, I have to comment on is the National Anthem rendition by Fergie. And I use the word rendition as loosely as humanly possible because, you know, you'll hear about on the late night talk shows, uh, without question, of how badly... Fergie butchered the national anthem, going for a blues jazz fusion mix rendition of the anthem. Honestly, I, 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 I'm, I'm still flabbergasted that somehow that one got green lit. You can do different interpretations on the anthem. I mean, Marvin Gaye has one of the greatest renditions of the anthem ever. I know some people don't like it, but uh, I think it's fantastic. But what Fergie did, it was so totally off-key that it made no sense whatsoever and will only go down in the history books as one of the worst national anthems ever. And a contender for worst national anthem ever with Carl Lewis doing the anthem. And at least Carl Lewis has the excuse of not actually being a singer. You know, Fergie, by and large, has been referred to as eye candy throughout her career, but at least has some singing background. That last night was just an abomination. And, you know, uh, I think she released a press statement saying that uh, tonally she got it wrong. Uh, I think that would be an understatement, to say the least. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just going to go down there as just one of an all-time blooper Plus, uh, you had the perfect timing of Draymond Green's uh, face being zoomed in on by the camera as he's trying to keep a straight face and then just starts uh, uh, kind of like uh, laughing at the uh, just at some of the notes that Fergie was hitting. It was perfectly timed by the TNT. Whoever was handling the production truck for TNT panning the player and crowd reactions to the anthem they did a masterful job because as soon as that train wreck uh, was going on, they immediately just started queuing on people's faces just to see how they were going to react. I mean, uh, Steph Curry looked bewildered. Uh, Draymond, uh, like I mentioned, just was trying to keep a straight face and couldn't. Jimmy Kimmel was about to burst at the seams laughing. I mean, there were just so many people who just wondering what the hell was going on with that rendition of the anthem. So if you haven't seen it yet, you will, because it's going to be played on every viral clip uh, for at least a week. So uh, uh, do yourself a favor, at least check it out uh, for all two minutes and 20 seconds. Yes, it took that long for that rendition to be done, and done horribly, by the way, uh, in case you did not get a full sense of how bad it was. So... Anyway, uh, that uh, does it for uh, the side items I want to get to. So I uh, want to track back to the uh, fancy baseball ranking. So uh, to recap uh, the previous edition, we did the top 20. So a uh, quick recap. Uh, number one, you got Mike Trout of the Angels. Obviously, I'm going to give uh, positions as well in case... Some of you were not paying attention to who some of these players were. So, uh, Mike Trout, obviously outfielder for uh, the Anaheim Angels. Or, if you want to go by the ridiculous nomenclature of Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. 
number two, I've got Jose Altuve, second base for the Houston Astros. Uh, number three, Paul Goldschmidt, first baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Number four, Mookie Betts. Uh, we're going to get to Boston in a bit, but he's the outfielder for the Boston Red Sox. And not the top dog, it seems, uh, in uh, Beantown, uh, but uh, we'll get to that. Number five, you got Nolan Arenado, third base Colorado Rockies. Number six, Trey Turner, outfielder for the Washington Nationals. Number seven, Bryce Harper, outfielder, Washington Nationals. Number eight, Chris Bryant, third base for the Chicago Cubs. Number nine, Manny Machado, third base and soon to be qualifying for shortstop uh, in your fantasy leagues uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. Number 10, Giancarlo Stanton from the New York Yankees. And this is going to be a bit of a change because we now have the official word that J.D. Martinez has indeed signed with uh, Boston. So uh, the contract term is for five years with $110 million attached to it. Now, the interesting kicker here is that Martinez has opt-out clauses after the second and third years. So Martinez is going to get $25 million for year one and year two before the first opt-out and $22 million in 2020 before the second opt-out. So basically what this means is that J.D. Martinez is getting paid two years and $50 million because uh, I would be shocked unless he has significant injuries with Boston and turns out to be a bust that he's going to opt out at two years and $50 million and uh, just uh, try to get another payday at age 32. But uh, it's interesting that this is how he agreed to the contract because I think he was one of those players that was getting legitimately frustrated in terms of how many uh, suitors were out there seriously contending for him. And I think, again... This has to do with Major League Ball Clubs uh, holding back on the money for uh, certain players wanting to see more out of them. And I don't, you know, the only knock that you could have for J.D. Martinez is that he gets hurt way too often, so you can't guarantee that he's going to get more than 500 at-bats in the season. I think it's still risky, but to me, in terms of production... I mean, this is about as close you can get to poor man Stanton as you can get. And if he gets hot, he can produce Stanton-like numbers in a month. There's no doubt about it. So uh, he's got to put up numbers in Boston. I think this only helps him and Mookie Betts uh, in terms of uh, seeing a quality pitcher. So uh, to me, it's uh, it's a win-win situation for uh, the Boston players as a whole. Moving on. So now that I've got uh, Martinez moving up from 13 to 11, I've got Freddie Freeman at 12, first base, and qualifies for third base uh, in fantasy leagues uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, 13 now is Anthony Rizzo, first base for the Chicago Cubs. 14, we have our first pitcher with Max Scherzer. 15, uh, our second pitcher with uh, Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers. 16, Francisco Lindor, shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. 17, Carlos Correa, shortstop for the Houston Astros. 
18, old man Joey Votto, first baseman for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, 19, all rise for the judge. So, obviously, Aaron Judge for the New York Yankees. And number 20, Charlie Blackman, outfielder for the Colorado Rockies. So, uh, that was last episode in a brief recap. So, uh, moving on to number 21. We have Jose Ramirez, uh, second base and third base uh, eligibility uh, qualifier for the Cleveland Indians. So, uh, Ramirez is an interesting case because he showed additional power last year that I'm not entirely convinced that he can replicate, but uh, you can pencil him in for a 100 run scored and anywhere from 80 to 85 RBIs, and uh, the batting average is going to be there, so he's going to be well over 300, and so depending on this, this ranking might actually be too low for him because he could actually sneak into the teens if he has... Uh, 20 plus steals uh, uh, this season but uh, Ramirez to me looks uh, like a candidate where I'm probably going to target in the second round uh, if he's available now uh, if I already have someone like Machado uh, to pair up with him you know what Uh, that's not a bad way to start uh, your season Uh, at least that way you uh, you lock up in terms of uh your middle infield and you at least get two corner uh, third baseman in a position that doesn't have a ton of depth. Uh, You put yourself in a nice little spot there. So uh, moving on to number 22, we got George Springer outfielder for the Houston Astros. I mean, Springer, uh, I know some folks have him in the top 20. Uh, I have him just outside. I mean, monster world series performance, uh, he will hurt you in the strikeout category for those of you in points leagues. Uh, but uh, I look at him as a person where uh, if, he, if he was batting slightly lower in the batting order, he would easily be in the top 20. Even uh, you can make a case for the top 10 because Springer has a, a capability to hit 35 uh, to, uh, to 40 bombs this year. There's no doubt about it. His bat speed is ridiculous. It's just a matter of, uh, how many runs is he going to uh, drive in, given how high up in the batting order, because he leads off for the Astros. Uh, I know some folks make the case that, you know, that only impacts the first uh, set of at-bats in the game, and then afterwards you reset the table. But uh, to me, that still makes a difference uh, in terms of your mentality and how you approach uh, your at-bats. So I look for Springer to be over 100 runs scored just because he's a leadoff man. Uh, but uh, the power is definitely going to be there. Uh, the only question is how many RBIs. He's not going to run for a ton of stolen bags. Uh, maybe he gets to double digits, but uh, uh, probably safer to assume that he gets uh, seven or eight uh, stolen bases. And uh, so with number 22 out of the way, we got number 23, and that would be the bellhop, uh, uh, Cody Bellinger. So uh, r- basically just out-of-nowhere rookie uh, of the year type performance uh, last year by Bellinger. Uh, so he gets you uh, first base and outfield el- eligibility for the Dodgers. Uh, in terms of what Bellinger brings to the table, uh, goofy-looking swing, it it works for him now. So, I mean, that's the one knock that you can make against Bellinger is the fact that maybe he has a sophomore slump because of how awkward-looking that swing is. 
Uh, but uh, based off of his metrics and just a, pro, a power profile, I guess StatCast loves the kid. Uh, he's going to get you anywhere from uh, 100 runs uh, to 110 and then 30-plus uh, bombs and uh, over 100 runs batted in based off of where he is in the Dodgers lineup. Uh, the only question depends on Bellinger uh, why he's not ranked higher is the fact that that batting average can fluctuate anywhere from the two, uh, 250s to 280s. Nothing would surprise me with Bellinger uh, in that on that front. Uh, you know, as great a year as he had last year, uh, and the fact that he can steal double-digit bases, uh, that that's batting stance. It's it's funky. So uh, the batting average is something that I would worry about for those of you who count uh, batting average on base percentage isn't going to be stellar either, but Again, when you have that kind of power, you're going to be high up in the fantasy rankings regardless. So uh, you could do a lot worse than uh, having a, a Bellinger on your squad. Uh, number 24, Josh Donaldson. Uh, Donaldson's an interesting case here because he's 32. And the Blue Jays, because they have massively screwed up their own NHL contract, Imagine how I got a hockey reference into a fantasy baseball context. But regardless, Rogers, uh, which owns the Blue Jays, screwed up their NHL contract by completely overbidding for it, and now they have no money to pay for their actual baseball team that they also own and manage. So they've essentially pissed off Donaldson to the point where uh, Donaldson knows he's getting moved this season. Uh, it's just a matter of when it happens. Uh, but... Uh, you know, Blue Jays could have gotten a better, a better haul for Donaldson ahead of time. So the only question is uh, where I have him ranked. I have him. I think I have him ranked a bit aggressively here. I look at Donaldson as someone who knows he's in for his last payday, and when guys know they're in for their last payday, they tend to go all out. So I, I look for Donaldson to have a huge year, uh, just in terms of uh, what he can do from an offensive standpoint. Uh, at, at this stage of the game, uh, he knows what kind of hitter he is. It, it's not a matter of uh, trying to discover something new at his age. He is what he is. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, there's some, there's some folks that are very hesitant on Donaldson uh, because uh, they look at him as a potential landmine. I'm not one of those people. I think Donaldson's going to hit anywhere from uh, uh, 35 to 40 home runs. The only caveat that you have, I have with Donaldson, is the fact that he also, given the fact that he's 32, has a chance of uh, trying to overdo it and getting himself injured uh, going for the payday. Me, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily uh, go crazy over it. I look at him as... As someone where he can have a huge year uh, and still driving runs for the Blue Jays for however long he play, uh, plays with them for. Uh, the only question is uh, how his second half numbers look once he gets traded. Uh, since uh, that's going to be uh, the bugaboo if he goes to a more of a pitcher's park. Because, uh, you know, it, it, Toronto has one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks. So that uh, that should ding his numbers a bit. It's just a matter of 
uh, where he ends up going to. I, I look at him and maybe Donaldson going to the cards as a possibility, uh, and that shouldn't really hurt his numbers uh, from a metric standpoint, but uh, uh, you never know in these types of situations. So I know uh, uh, 24 is uh, probably a bit aggressive for Donaldson, but I, I, I just think that uh, he's in line for a huge year. So, number 25, we have Jose Abreu. Now, this is a classic uh, first baseman uh, uh, pick. I mean, honestly, if you already drafted a first baseman, you know, you're not duplicating positions this early in the draft. Uh, You know, I I know sometimes uh, I'll throw out rankings and folks kind of look at it and say, well, you know, if if he's ranked this high or they'll see rankings, uh, in the in the middle of the draft, they're like, "Well, I have a utility spot. Let me double up on these players and uh, you know work out." I, you know, I'm a firm believer of if you have a position player, you know, unless that player has multiple positions that they qualify for, so you can slot them around in case you have guys off that night. You don't double up picks in the first five rounds just because you're asking for trouble. Uh, in terms of some of the slots. Now, if you grab a couple of outfielders, okay, yeah, you can grab two outfielders first five rounds. Uh, three's pushing it uh, just because you're you're really going to be running up against uh, getting uh, top uh, top end talent in the in your infield positions if if you do that. But uh, uh, I, I just look at this as a situation where uh, you know Abreu's going to put up uh, uh, good numbers for you. Uh, you know, you're going to get 30 bombs. You're going to get 100 RBIs. Uh, the batting average is going to be somewhere uh, close to 300. It's going to be a little bit under, so you're probably looking at it closer to 290. But you're going to get uh, solid numbers. Uh, you can't go wrong for Brayu. Number 26, we have Thor from the Mets. So Noah Syndergaard. Uh, I look at Syndergaard as a case where last year, Obviously, he was uh, overdoing it in terms of his workouts and his lats and his tries. Uh, 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 for the Mets fans listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, that he overworked himself into injury last year. Uh, but Syndergaard, from all accounts, is healthy this year. I look for a, str- a strikeout through nine inning ratio of uh, over 10 Uh Probably closer, uh, close to 11, but uh, Syndergaard has the strikeout potential uh, that you crave uh, in your starters. And the only question is, uh, uh, how many innings does he get to pitch? I don't think he pitches 200 innings with the Mets, uh, just because the Mets are going to baby him to death. So you're looking at closer to 180 to 185. Uh, so, again... If you're looking for a pitcher, yeah, I think it's still probably a bit early to grab a pitcher. So I, I while I like Syndergaard, I probably don't think I'll be able to get him uh, at this point because uh, even though I have ranked 26th, uh, you know, I I just suspect that he's uh, probably going to get grabbed in the second or third round. Uh, just because of his strikeout potential, so uh, I probably wait another round. Uh, but I, I do see the potential there. It's just my personal habits that had led me to uh, shift away from drafting pitchers too early 
in drafts now, so I go from rounds four on up. But uh, I I don't I wouldn't have any complaints about someone grabbing Syndergaard uh, in the beginning of the third round. That's uh, that's good value there. Uh, next up, we got Corey Kluber at twenty seven. Again, same thought process. Although with Kluber, you're gonna get more innings pitched. My only bugaboo with Kluber is the fact that uh, he was just getting so many innings pitched the last couple of years. I'm slightly uh, concerned about it because he started showing some signs of uh, major fatigue uh, in the playoffs against the Yankees. Uh, I, I'm, I've, I've, I have him behind Syndergaard just because I, I look at him as a potential candidate for uh, just having arm fatigue and uh, struggling uh, either out of the gate or uh, in the middle months of the year when it, you're starting to worry if uh, something's wrong with him physically. Uh, number 28, another candidate uh, for this exact same reason, Chris Sale. Chris Sale, another guy that piles on the case, has been pitching, uh, uh, you know, Almost uh, uh, a ton of innings every single time. Uh, you know, if Sale's healthy, he's going to uh, surpass 250 strikeouts, no uh, problem. Uh, my issue, again, with Sale is the fact that I'm not entirely convinced that he's going to pitch 200-plus innings for the Red Sox this year. Uh, that's the reason why I have him slotted a little bit lower than where other people might have him at. But, uh, you know, again... I, I look at Syndergaard as less of an injury risk than Sale right now uh, and Kluber just because they've been putting on a ton of workload uh, compared to some uh, other players uh, I'm, uh, in terms of uh, the pitcher. So uh, that is a couple of pitchers off the board now. So we've got four pitchers off the board. Actually, no, sorry, five pitchers off the board now. And uh, that brings us to number 29. Uh, which would be Brian Dozier, second baseman of the Minnesota Twins. How he's still on the Twins is beyond me because I figured uh, Minnesota would have dealt him by now, but the Twins seem to think that uh, they're building something uh, short-term because, again, Dozier's not exactly a spring chicken. Uh, I mean, I I look at Dozier as a case where uh, Dozier... Could have made a uh, big splash on another team. He's 31, uh, hit the prime of his career. uh, But Dozier is going to get you 30 bombs. And while the steals may not be uh, there compared to what he did in uh, 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 2015, 2016, uh, when he stole over 20 bases, he's still going to get you somewhere in the teens in terms of stolen bases. So, you know, Dozier, I look at it, uh, the Twins have him batting up in the batting order. I don't really get it. I, I think he's middle of a middle of order kind of hitter, but, you know, the Twins seem to like him up top. So that also hurt his value. Uh, and also the fact that Dozier is incredibly streaky. So Dozier actually benefits you more from a road perspective than a head-to-head because when Dozier goes cold, he goes cold. And when he goes hot... He's really hot, so uh, you're going to deal with peaks and valleys with Dozier, but in the second base spot, uh, there are worse candidates that you can go with uh, than Dozier. 
but it, it definitely gets you a decent value on there. And uh, I know some folks are questioning why Dozier's uh, uh, included here when there's still the possibility of Daniel Murphy being on board. I, I would take Dozier just because I, I, I see more of a home run potential than with Murph. Uh, Murph's going to give you a better average, uh, but, uh, but uh, I don't see uh, Murphy hitting 25 bombs. Uh, I, I really don't. So uh, that's really what it comes down to. We'll get to Murph uh, uh, eventually, though. Uh, so moving on, we've got uh, our sixth pitcher, Madison Bumgarner. Uh, this is where I'll probably start uh, uh, taking a look at pitchers just because uh, – Bumgarner's been projected to be more of a fourth-round pick, but I think he has more of a third-round value. Uh, you know, it was a fluke injury that he had uh, last season. Uh, stupid by his account of how he got himself hurt uh, uh, on the bike. So, you know, I, I think it's just a lost season for the D- Giants as a whole, uh, both the football and the baseball. See, they got an NFL reference in there, too. But, uh, you know, in terms of uh, Bumgarner, I, I think it's now that he's actually had time to get fully healthy and get himself back into playing shape and the fact that, you know, he recognizes the fact that uh, he was uh, completely uh, took himself out, out of the mix for his own team. Uh, I, I look at this as a situation where uh, Bumgarner uh, is uh, going to get you well over uh, 200 innings pitched. He's going to be motivated this year uh, to prove a point. Uh, so I look at him as a, you know, and again, if you're taking a pitcher this high, they got to have a sub-3 ERA. So that goes without saying. So uh, all these pitchers I've mentioned so far, it's going to be sub-3 ERA for all of them. And uh, you can expect uh, over 200, any, uh, 200 strikeouts uh, for all of them. So, uh, again, uh, take for that what you will. And at number 31, we have uh, another expat from the Marlins, Marcel Ozuna, now of the St. Louis Cardinals in the outfield. So, uh, Mar- Marcel, you know, Sneaky power, you don't really look at him as a candidate that's going to do a ton of damage. But, uh, you know, the power's there. Uh, he definitely has a, a 30-plus home run power. Uh, I, I think he's going to do quite well in St. Louis, which is more of a hitter's ballpark than Marlins Park ever was. Uh, so I, I look at this and say that uh, you're, you're going to get uh, more offense out of Ozuna. So I expect pencil him in for uh, 33 uh, to 36 home runs, 100 runs scored, 100 RBIs. Uh, the only question is where the batting average ends up at. Uh, probably he's going to be closer to 260 than he is to 270. Uh, but, you know, for uh, this spot, uh, if you haven't grabbed an outfielder yet, uh, this would be a good time to start uh, taking a hard look at him because uh, yeah, you are going to get a better uh, – offensive production out of him uh, than other power hitters that you might be looking at in this spot like a Nelson Cruz or Justin Upton. So I I would take Ozuna over those uh, two guys. Uh, Next up, we got Andrew Benenitendi uh, for the Boston Red Sox, uh, also outfielder. Uh, 
question with Benatendi basically was, uh, you know, is he is he going to live up to the hype this year? Because uh, last season as a rookie, uh, the uh, the numbers weren't quite there, but you saw the potential. And uh, Benatendi, you know, he has the ability to play uh, as a five-tool player. He can steal bases. He can hit for power. Uh, he can score runs. He can drive in runs. Uh, so this is where he starts developing, in my opinion. I look at him as a player where you're going to get close to 100 runs scored. Uh, you're going to get an RBI total somewhere in the 80s, and uh, he's going to have at least 20, uh, 20 home runs. And he could be even higher than this. It just depends on how many steals he gets. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit conservative with him and say that he's only going to be around 16 steals, but it wouldn't shock me if he has a 2020 season, and that would put him technically in the top uh, 25 if he uh, brings all the other uh, metrics to uh, of his game uh, to the forefront, and he has 20-plus uh, uh, steals. So, again, <clears throat> another uh, player to look at if you don't have speed on your roster at this point, uh, you can uh, give him a hard look. Next up at number 33, we've got Anthony Rendon, third baseman for the Washington Nationals. Uh, in terms of Rendon, uh, overall, it, it's just a matter of Washington just has a very deep lineup. Uh, there, uh, there's no getting around it. It's just the fact that uh, uh, Washington's going to be putting up numbers in the offensive categories across the board. So for Rendon, uh, basically you're uh, looking at him as a 100 RBI guy with 30 home runs. Uh, the batting average should be there in the high 280, uh, maybe a low 290 range. Uh, but he's going to score runs. He's going to drive in runs. Uh, the Nationals have a very legitimate lineup uh, that uh, you should be considering their players for. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, as long as he stays healthy, and I think he will this year, uh, as he did last year, uh, you should be in a good spot. Uh, number 34, and this one is uh, a little bit of a reach on my part, uh, but I, I look at this and kind of say to myself, this depends on how good his uh, PED doctor is, and that uh, goes to D. Gordon. Uh, D. Gordon is a huge red flag risk, but I'm penciling him in at 34 because there's not a ton of guys uh, left that are going to get you a steal potential of over 50 and won't kill you in batting average or some other aspect of their game. Uh, so D. Gordon uh, hit for two uh, uh, hit for average last year. Line drive rate was up. That was coming off of uh, his PED suspension uh, with the Marlins. So, yes, another Marlins expat. Uh, Seattle traded for speed. D. Gordon just hit 30. You know, we've seen this horror story before with the Mariners trading for speed. Uh, Sean Figgins comes to mind. Uh, uh, they also traded for Jared Dyson, too. Uh, but, you know, I look at this and I'm saying, again, whatever Shaw, uh, D. Gordon at uh, is on. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get popped for it because I don't necessarily buy the fact that D. Gordon is hitting for average. But because he did it last year after the suspension, <clears throat> clearly he's doing something. I just don't know what, and I don't care to know what it is. I'm just penciling him in because 
he hasn't been caught yet, so maybe it, it works out for you. But uh, for fantasy purposes, uh, you're looking for steals and not to get hurt in other offensive categories uh, beyond uh, not being able to hit for uh, home runs or, or driving RBI. So D. Gordon will score runs. Uh, he's been hitting for average, and he gets you steals. Uh, that uh, should uh, help alleviate some of the issues that you would be normally getting from a stolen base category uh, guy. Now, in terms of actual fan, uh, actual baseball, again, I don't know what Seattle's thinking here with the trade other than we need to get some speed and we don't care how we get it done. But uh, uh, it was a risky trade. Uh, for fantasy purposes, you know, Stakes are a lot less uh, high, so I would uh, uh, pencil D. Gordon in as number 34, but say tread with caution because just so you know what you're getting yourself into, this could blow up in, uh, in, our, in our faces. I mean, I, I'm even though I have D. Gordon in, I probably wouldn't take him in more than one league just because I have my own trepidation with him, but it's hard to ignore the numbers when uh, his stolen base uh, numbers are that high. And he's hitting for average. So uh, I look for D. Gordon to get you somewhere uh, north of 50 steals. And if he can keep his batting average over 280, uh, you know what? That's a win-win if he didn't grab speed early in this draft. Number 35, Steven Strasburg. uh, Starting pitcher for the Washington Nationals. Uh, You know, we've been talking about Strasburg for it seems years now, just because of how long he's been in the league. And he's never quite put it together to be the dominant ace he was always built up to be uh, as a kid. Now, maybe it's because of the injuries and whatnot. Uh, Strasburg has the potential to be the top starter in baseball. No one would be shocked by that just because he can, he can put it on you. Uh, so I still have him as a sub-3 ERA pitcher. It's just that I can't trust Strasburg to be healthy. Uh, I, I have less confidence in Strasburg being healthy than pretty much any other pitcher I've mentioned so far. Uh, it's just a matter of talent-wise, he's got all the tools. It's just not a matter of uh, 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 staying healthy. So if Strasburg stays healthy, then yeah, he, you can move him higher than a couple other starters I've mentioned on this list, but... I just don't think the consistency is going to be there, and I think Washington would agree with me and even uh, uh, hold him back a couple of starts just to make sure they keep him healthy for the stretch run. Moving on, number 36, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, dealt with injuries last year with the Indians. Uh, in terms of his value, this is now where we're going to start seeing pitchers uh, with uh, ERAs that creep above three. Uh, I I look at Carrasco and I'm saying to myself that, you know, not a bad pitcher. I, I just don't see a ton of value with him unless, um, because I have him ranked more conservative than others. Uh, I mean, I actually want to rank him further back. It's just that, uh, I, I, at that point, I don't think anyone would, uh, would not have taken him off the board by now. Uh, to me, Carrasco's value probably is closer to uh, the mid mid forties, late fifties. But you know, I see where the projections have him at. They've got him in the low thirties, 
So I put I put him in at 36 just because as a, a medium uh, between the two. Uh, but uh, in terms of overall metrics, it's just going to be slightly worse. So uh, depending on whether your league counts wins or quality starts, you're better off with quality starts with Carrasco. I'm not sure if <clears throat> he's winning uh, 20 games this year. Uh, I, I think he's closer to being a 17-game winner. So uh, quality starts would benefit him more than uh, wins uh, in the, depending on the fantasy format. Moving on to number 37, we got Alex Bregman, third baseman and can also qualify for shortstop uh, on uh, the Astros. Uh, so Bregman's an interesting case where he was struggling for so much of last season during the regular season that uh, people were questioning whether he should get sent down to AAA. Turned it on in a big-time way in the postseason. Uh, just had a monster postseason. And now... Uh, some people are trying to uh, say that Bregman's more valuable than Correa. I, I think they're being way, way too uh, aggressive with that assessment. Uh, you know, he had a great postseason, but I'm not going crazy here. Uh, Correa's still the guy. Uh, but Bregman, you're still going to get decent numbers out of him. Uh, so you're going to get 100 runs scored. Uh, I think 20 home runs would be a fair assessment of him. Uh, I'm not going much higher than that. Uh but uh, in terms of RBI, depends on where he hits in the lineup. But uh, anywhere from 75 to 80 RBIs is uh, within uh, the realm of possibility. Uh, batting average uh, should be north of 270. And in terms of stolen bases, uh, 15 to uh, 18 is a more reasonable guess. So all that benefits him. And it's why I put him ahead of number 38. Uh because of that stolen base capability. And with number 38, we've got Corey Seager, uh, shortstop for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, my biggest issue with Seager is the fact that can't steal bases. No speed. Uh, I mean, yeah, he can get a couple of stolen bases with double steals, but you honestly have to be uh, having the Mets catchers behind the plate for him to steal a base, or just someone uh, that... Was uh, fell asleep at, at the wheel and just did not notice he was on base because uh, Seager does not have speed. Uh, it, but uh, what he can do is he can rake. So he's going to get you 100 runs scored. He's going to drive in uh, somewhere between 85 and 90 RBIs, depending on where he's hitting in the order. And he's going to be close to 30 bombs. Uh, I don't think he'll ex- be exactly with 30 bombs, but... Uh, anywhere from 25 to 30 bombs uh, uh, should be uh, in the realm for Seager. And his batting average is going to be around 300. So when you put all that together, that is a solid profile. It's just the lack of steals is what hurts his overall fantasy uh, projection uh, to me. So uh, he can get he gets a little bit of a boost just because he... Plays at a premium spot uh, at shortstop, so uh, that helps you uh, from a couple of aspects where, uh, you know, after this point, uh, you see the quality of shortstops uh, start taking uh, hits, uh, especially in the power categories, but uh, uh, then you're looking at closer to uh, Bo Garrett and a couple other guys, but uh, uh, those uh, 
those uh, don't come for a little while, at least on my list. So uh, Seager at number 38, and we move on to number 39 in A.J. Pollock. Uh, again, one of the cautionary picks that I'll make here, but the potential of Pollock is simple. You've uh, got 20-20 potential, 20 home runs, uh, 20 steals easily, uh, and that's like being very conservative. 20 home runs, 20 steals is conservative of Pollock. Uh, the question is, uh, can he stay healthy enough? He's only played 140 games, uh, more than 140 games once in his career, uh, and he's been in the majors over six years. So he's he's had ample opportunity to do so. Uh, he just gets nicked up. I mean, but if he can stay healthy, and that's a big if, uh, but uh, he's easily going to score over 100 runs. Uh, like I said, 2020 potential if he's healthy and the RBI numbers are going to be there because he's in Arizona. So, uh, you know, pencil him in. E- even with him being uh, at the top of the lineup, Arizona's still scoring a ton of runs just because of how that lineup's built. Even without J.D. Martinez, uh, he still has potential to drive in 80 runs this year, even uh, as high up as the leadoff spot. And so, again, it's one of those uh, picks that you can get yourself in trouble over. I may take a gamble on Pollock in a couple of leagues, but uh, I just kind of look at him as a potential candidate of, you know, you can you can do some damage with him. It's just he can also hurt your squad if you don't have a backup plan in place. So I wouldn't necessarily uh, uh, leave Pollock as a, a surefire lock in my outfield. I would have him as the luxury outfielder. I pair with my main stud. Uh, and see if Pollock can stick around and uh, and help my fantasy team this year. Now, uh, we got number 40, uh, which I'll use to cap off uh, this edition of the podcast. Uh, number 40 is our first catcher being Gary Sanchez of the New York Yankees. Now, in terms of Sanchez, uh, he can fluctuate all over the place but the reason why I have Sanchez is 40 is the fact that you know Sanchez always kind of has a chip on the shoulder about how he's being uh, ranked in terms of other players uh, one being the fact that uh, uh, he genuinely believes that he doesn't get enough pub on uh, his overall game Uh now, I, I look at Sanchez and I, and I say that, uh, uh, you know, if he felt he was getting overshadowed by Judge last year, which he was, it's going to be double effect uh, with Sanchez, uh, with Sanchez uh, being on a team with both uh, Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. I, I mean, it's going to be uh, insane the amount of press coverage Stanton and Judge get. But Sanchez gets to fly under the radar, have the chip on his shoulder, and I think... Uh, knowing that everyone's uh, been critiquing how he operates as a catcher is going to motivate him to actually work on learning how to uh, efficiently catch the ball and not have the mental blocks that he had throughout the season because uh, it was it was a struggle watching him trying to catch the ball, especially in the postseason because it cost the Yankees at least one game. Uh, so we'll see where Sanchez goes, but I'm not worried about his bat. Uh, defense, that's another question. But for fantasy, we don't have to worry necessarily about defense except for points leaks that count errors. 
So I'm going to roll with Sanchez here at number 40. Uh, offensively, uh, depends on his runs depend on uh, where he eventually slots into the lineup. But uh, I look at him and say that uh, he's going to be close to 100 RBIs. Uh, the only reason why the RBI total is going to be less is just because, uh, you know, they're all going to uh, vulture uh, RBIs from each other because of how many home runs they're going to hit. But Sanchez, 30 home run potential easily. And the batting average is going to be in the 275-280 range. Uh, so you can't go wrong with that. The only question is uh, where uh, he ends up fitting into the Yankees' uh, batting order. Uh, but the biggest uh, benefit to him is that fact that with him, you can lock up your catcher spot uh, one time and you don't have to worry about it after the fact because catcher is not that deep of a position uh, this year again. So uh, might as well lock him up now. I I don't have an issue with drafting a catcher this early because, again, it's hard to see where you're going to get uh, that value because, uh, uh, you know, again, the catcher spot is not very deep in my opinion. So uh, that's going to do it for now. Uh, I'll uh, start getting into uh, the 40 and 60 range at uh a couple of days and uh we'll take it from there talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll, I'll take giselle okay <laughs> is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.